It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tab for a cause is the easiest way to raise money for charity. All you need to do. Oh. Oh, okay. Was that someone playing guitar? There's a man walking through the WeWork I'm using playing a guitar. You know how that's cool to do in a co-working space? Wow. Um, uh, anyway. <laughs> he also looked at me like it was my fault when I gave him a mean look as he walked by. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the Bulls no longer being in the playoffs, to the Knicks no longer being in the playoffs. It's Adam Amawala. Adam, how's it going? Oh, sorry, buddy. Hey, at least you got to watch them for an extra couple weeks. You had some fun. You know, I feel like they probably exceeded your expectations, so I imagine you're disappointed, but ultimately, like, hey, it was a fun season. It was a fun season. We got a lot farther than... People anticipated us to get. No one expected us to be in the playoffs so securely. No one expected us to necessarily be this far at the beginning of the season. And it was just fun. It was kind of all for gravy sort of thing. And it's just a very fun season. And obviously it could have been more fun, but it's cool to see us actually have like a trajectory for once. And also it's just a, a really interesting year of Jalen Brunson. When we first signed him, everyone was like, ha ha ha, you paid too much money for Jalen Brunson. And now by the end of the year, it's, oh wow, Jalen Brunson is criminally underpaid. So just right. a great year for him. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the Brunson signing obviously worked out well, which is not to say that Donovan Mitchell wouldn't have been great on the Knicks if they had gotten him, but they didn't, and the Knicks got farther and actually knocked him out of the playoffs. So at, at the end of the day, you know, you got far. I'm sure it would have been cool to see the Knicks get past the Heat. The Heat might be a team of destiny, who can say. But uh, look, either way, good season. You won both bets, so I have to plan and buy <laughs> you whatever this mandate uh, entails. So you got that to look forward to. You will be wearing a bull shirt during it because there is still a debt to be paid. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. either way, yes. I, still, I still think you come out on top. It'll be fun. And I look forward to our mandate. I mandate that the mandate will happen soon. But let's talk about the other things in the sport of basketball. Let's get prepared to talk about this beloved sport of ours. And let's get centered in the Teal Memorial locker room. The Two Memorial Locker Room has all your favorite drinks on tap. If you're looking for like Gatorade yeah. or Powerade or Propel is back, Ooh. which I don't know if you were big into that, but I was real big into Propel. It's back. I was. I actually have a disturbing story involving Propel. May I? Please. Back in college, I used to throw some parties at my house and let it be known that everyone there was definitely 21. But <laughs> there were times where people would like go into my bedroom, even though I didn't want them to. And I had a little mini fridge, as one does in college. And uh, I went to play some football the day after a party. I grabbed a Propel bottle from the fridge. And uh, after running around for about half an hour, I went to take a big swig. It was not just Propel. Someone had mixed some vodka or something in there and put it in a Propel bottle, put it in my mini fridge. And uh, I got to tell you, not very refreshing after playing flag football for half an hour. Did you notice immediately or did it take you a little bit to realize? Oh, immediately. It was clear that okay. someone had tried to make a mixed drink in a Propel bottle and just put it in my fridge. And I think I spit it all over the ground. <laughs> so there you go all right well you know propels back and i don't think they have a vodka flavor at least not yet but maybe you know that could be future innovation you know what we're like six months away from there being hard propel i feel like <laughs> things are trending that way everything else has some sort yeah. of hard version yeah of it, so yeah yeah probably well now that we're in the teal memorial locker room we can get ready and you know who doesn't drink uh hard propel probably not our patrons but we'll see if you drink hard propel when i buy it for you on our mandate <laughs> yes, that is our patrons, especially our newest producer-level patron, Rachel Boland. 
Rachel joins the ranks of our existing producer-level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, who I did see last night and who was very excited about how the NBA draft lottery shook out. Trust the process, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, bang, bang, Roast Beef Debris, Cade the Conqueror, Basketball's Life 2, Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Reed, Steph Curry for three next season. Bang. Hi, Trish. Nicole Arsenault, Stubby Boardman gets paid, Chase Underulo, Mr. Bubbles plays ball, and Rachel Boland now. Now, we are not sponsored by Hard Propel yet, <laughs> but we do have a sponsor for this episode. Shall I tell you about them? Yeah, please. Our sponsor for this episode is Tab for a Cause. Tab for a Cause is the easiest way to raise money for charity. All you need to do is go to tabforacause.org slash horse and install it in your browser. It takes just a couple of clicks. Every time you open a new tab, you will get a picture of a nice, serene background. There might be some ads in the corner, but those ads raise money for charity. And then you can decide which charities get supported by Tab for a Cause. They have a lot of great organizations that they support. I've been using this for years. And as we always do, Adam, let's do a tab monster check. I'm actually higher than normal. I have five tabs open right now. Oh, they are all for horse, but God. I do have five tabs open. How are you doing? I mean, much higher than that. Uh, I only have a few <laughs> open for horse, which actually makes this even worse because I believe I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 tabs. But do I have multiple browsers? Yes, I do. How many does the other one have? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. Not quite as bad. So total 23 tabs but distributed amongst two browsers. So not so bad, really. As a Bulls fan, I feel like you always have to have 23 something going on. You're right. Michael yeah. Jordan, so it makes sense. It makes sense. Well, if you want to either be a tab monster like Adam and raise a bunch of money for charity or a moderate tab monster like me and still raise a solid amount of money for charity, you can go to T-A-B-F-O-R-A-C-A-U-S-E dot org slash horse and sign up for tab for a cause today. Adam, you got anything going on in the wild world of Mama Walla? I know you just had a fun... Denver slash Colorado based run. I sure do. Uh, I was recently in Colorado, got to do some fun shows in Boulder and Denver. The big thing I have coming up, I'm going to be headlining a show in Los Angeles on Tuesday, June 6th at The Crow, which is in Santa Monica. I know you were just there recently for some live podcast events. It's an awesome venue. There's free parking. It's close to public transportation, which is few and far between in LA, but this is right where the train goes. So very easy to get to. It's an awesome venue. Um, that show is at eight o'clock, and I'm really hoping to get a lot of people out for that. I've got some other dates later in the summer, but nothing too imminent. I am working on getting a mailing list going, though. So I'm going to get that started soon. I'm sure I'll let all of you horse listeners know about that so you can tell me where you would like me to perform. And then we don't have an exact date yet, but the series that I got to play the lead in, and obviously we talked to director and writer Bobby Friedman in a recent episode, that series Undercover Comic is going to be out very soon. I don't know exactly when, but make sure to follow the Instagram, which is at under.cover.comic for updates on all of that fun stuff. What about you, Mr. Schubert? Yeah, so just at those same kind of shows that I had mentioned, going to be in Seattle and Vancouver at the end of May, and then Midwest run of Cleveland and Detroit and Toronto in the middle of June. And then you're hearing this now on the Monday after the tickets went live on Friday for the most recent run that has just been added. So that will include Hartford, Connecticut, Chicago, Milwaukee, and Minneapolis. You can get tickets to all of those at schub.es slash tour. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. So now, with that complete, shall we get into NBQ&A? Yeah, let's do it. And we actually have a question from one of our producer-level patrons, Chase Underulo. The question <laughs> is as follows. Hey, gents, a question about running plays in basketball. How do they decide it? Is it just during timeouts? It's a lot clearer in sports like football that you draw a play, do the play, etc. What's the deal? Great question. I guess the, the short answer would be that some of it is planned before the game and then employed at different points throughout the game. Some of it is in the moment and some of it is dependent on what the coach is seeing from the other team's defense. So if they're seeing that, oh, okay, the Lakers are playing in a zone against us, what would be a good play that we can run to combat that? That's basically how it works. Would you tend to agree with that characterization? 
Yeah, I feel like teams usually have a couple of general plays. At least when I played basketball, we would have like five plays and then the coach would yell from the side, one, two, three, four, five, or call them like colors or certain things like that. And that's why you'll see sometimes the point guard dribbling the ball up, holding up either a fist or a couple fingers or whatever. And then coaches can also yell stuff from the sidelines to their teams as well. But oftentimes you just kind of have a mindset or an approach. So things like in general, go for a pick and roll or in general, try to get this particular player, the ball against a certain matchup or at a certain point on the court. But the most strict time you will see plays being called is what is called ATO. So after timeout plays, and that is explicitly like the coach is called a timeout. He gets the whiteboard and he draws a whole play. And that will be specific things where someone will have the ball on the side or under the basket. And then people are running around specifically to try to get this guy a shot in this location and stuff like that. So those are the more strictly engineered plays. And then sometimes you'll see things like once a team comes out after the quarter or after the half, and that's usually during a break, it's been discussed. So the answer is basically all of the above. (laughs) Yeah. And and the other thing, just to compare it back to football, American football sound effect. Yeah. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah. Uh, even though I do like football, go Bears. But anyway, like sometimes the quarterback calls an audible, meaning that they were going to run a certain play. All of a sudden they see how the defense is lined up and they're like, no, 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 no. Don't do that because it's not going to work right now. Let's improvise. That also happens in the NBA where generally speaking, the point guard or whoever has the ball will see, oh, you know what? They're playing a defense or they're adjusting to what we're doing. We need to improvise here and do something else. But certain teams definitely run the same play for years. For example, the Bulls and any team that Phil Jackson ever coached, they ran the triangle offense. So even though teams knew that was coming, they still had a hard time defending it. Recently, and I'll try to find the link to this video, there was a cool side-by-side of LeBron recognizing a play that the Warriors had run against him when he was on the Cavs, I believe, and he recognized it and kind of blew up the play by directing where Anthony Davis and some of the other defenders should go, which of course is used in this LeBron is the GOAT narrative that I will never ascribe to. But the point being, (laughs) it was a pretty cool thing to be like, oh yeah, LeBron remembered this from six years ago, saw it happening, and was like, no, 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 I know how this is going to play out. I know how to defend this. So... Hopefully that answers your question. Uh, As you said, Mike, it's kind of all of the above. But yeah, there's certainly a lot of planning involved. There's never a situation where a team goes out and is just kind of doing free form. Go for it. Have fun, boys. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. The closest you'll get to that is if a team is more okay with either isolations or calling their own pick and rolls. And then you'll just see whoever is dribbling the ball point to someone in motion for them to set a pick on their defender or push a guy away, say, get out of the way so they can go one-on-one. That's the closest you'll get to seeing a game look like pickup. But usually that is something that the team has practiced or discussed, or if it's a playoff matchup, they've decided, okay, if this really bad defender is guarding someone very good at dribbling like Jalen Brunson, yeah, everybody clear out because he can beat him one-on-one. And then if he gets close to the basket, maybe someone helps out. And then, uh uh-oh, that guy is now wide open. Let me pass it to Quentin Grimes for a wide open three, stuff like that. So that's NBQ&A. Now we can get into Full Court Press. Get it like the news? I do, and there seems to be a lot of news. There's a lot of news. Let's start with the saddest news so that we can end on the gladdest news, or at least the spiciest news with playoffs slash NBA draft lottery. The sad news is that the WNBA recently put out a statement that was explaining the punishment that they are dealing out to the Las Vegas Aces for their mistreatment of Dearica Hamby. We talked about this in the podcast previously, but basically Dearica Hamby was a player who was on the Aces. Now she's on the Los Angeles Sparks and she was traded for not a whole lot in return. And it all seemed to be centered on them wanting to basically kick her off the team for getting pregnant while being under contract and just after signing a contract. And they got upset at her, even though that is against the rules. And they have now released some information about their findings. They did a whole investigation. The WNBA has rescinded the Aces 2025 first round pick. So they are losing their first round pick in the 2025 WNBA draft. And then Becky Hammond also ended up getting suspended for two games. And they found And this is the most unfortunate part, that it wasn't just the ownership, it wasn't just the higher-ups that were mistreating D'Erica, but Becky Hammond, the head coach herself, she was also a factor in the negativity thrown towards D'Erica for getting pregnant. And then there were reports that they found out where like the team told D'Erica Hamby that 
Like they got mad at her thinking that she planned the pregnancy to be right after signing this contract. And she said it wasn't planned. And then they told her that she wasn't taking enough steps to keep herself from getting pregnant. So basically saying like you weren't, you know, on the pill or using contraceptives or whatever, which is just like a really gross situation. So I am glad that the WNBA took action. I think that's the right thing to do. It was sad to learn that Becky Hammond was a part of the negativity because I always thought it was just going to be the higher ups and the people beyond the team. But to directly have your coach kind of be involved in it is really disappointing. Well, I mean, I think the sad thing is that the desire to win sometimes clouds people's judgment of what is actually important. And I feel like this is one of those situations. Yeah, especially, and we talked about this in the previous episodes, especially after the WNBA with their collective bargaining agreement added more things that helped pregnant mothers in the league. So you see these things happening of, oh, look at the good things that the league is doing. And then you have teams actively going against that. It's super disappointing. So hopefully this is just a one-time thing and every team will now learn from it because losing a first-round pick is a big deal, especially in the WNBA where each round is only 12 teams. Like, that's a top 12 pick, which is great. So hopefully this kind of sets the tone and no one ever does this again. Yeah. So in other sad and unfortunate and uh, I guess sadly somewhat predictable news, we have another John Morant situation, which is that after the fiasco of several months ago where John Morant was on an Instagram live waving a gun around and then got suspended for eight games, spoke with Adam Silver apologized for what he had done, seemed to own up to it, seemed to acknowledge that he realized how dangerous it was, like both literally and also in terms of jeopardizing his career and being a bad role model and all of that stuff. And lo and behold, uh, in this past week, there was another video of John Morant on Instagram Live, who have people just learned to not be on Instagram Live at this point for so many reasons, but especially if you are wielding a firearm, there's another video that has surfaced of John Morant with a gun. Uh, He is now basically like, my impression is that he's suspended indefinitely, even though it's the off season, which is a little bit of a tricky situation. But last night at the draft lottery, they spoke to Adam Silver about it. I believe Malika Andrews was asking him about the situation. And you could just hear the disappointment in his voice. He's like, look, I really thought that when I spoke to Ja, he understood the gravity of the situation and how seriously we took it and how we really didn't have any sort of tolerance for this moving forward. And here we are again. So, I mean, this is at the point where it is very much jeopardizing his career. It could be jeopardizing his own life or other people's lives. And I don't really know what it's going to take for him to understand how bad this is. But it's a really sad situation, especially for somebody who has so many people looking up to him, somebody who's arguably the most or one of the most exciting players in the league right now. He is a very young guy. Young people do silly and stupid things, but at a certain point, that's not an excuse. And uh, I hope it gets cleaned up for everybody involved, but it's not a good look for the league. It sure as hell not a good look for John Morant. And uh, again, I'm not really sure what he's trying to prove here. He clearly needs to surround himself with a better group of friends and supporters who aren't going to encourage him to do things that jeopardize his life and the lives of others. But at this point... It is a little scary to think of like the road this goes down if things continue this way. Yeah, it's just disappointing because when he had his suspension earlier in the season, it was so short and it just felt like he wasn't necessarily getting all the help he really needed if it was a mental health type situation like it was being discussed as. And now it's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, it seems like he didn't take enough steps back then. And it might be the case now since he didn't seem to have learned his lessons. So it's just sad. And I think a lot of people right now are just waiting as they're going to look into same thing as this before. Like, where was this filmed? Where did the gun come from? Was it a real gun? All this sort of stuff like that. And then they'll figure it out. But yeah, I think the biggest thing in Jeopardy, besides from potentially a suspension, is is he going to be signed by Nike still? Is he going to be signed by Powerade still? Like, he right. might be throwing away all these endorsement dollars in addition to him getting suspended from actual games. And that also, the All-NBA awards came out recently. He probably would have made All-NBA if he didn't get suspended for the eight games that he did. And the way contract incentives work in the NBA, he lost out on like $40 million. Like, it's really tough stuff. And if it is mental health related, hopefully he gets the help he needs. If it's substance related because there were all these 
talks and videos of him also just like straight chugging tequila. So it's just a lot of things of, if he needs some help, I hope he gets some help because this is just a weird situation. Why would you keep jeopardizing your playing career and your endorsement career repeatedly? Right. So sad stuff aside, let's get into some of the happier and spicier things. First, let's talk about the NBA draft lottery, which if you are a San Antonio Spurs fan, Rejoice, you're getting Wemby. Yeah, shout out Ginger Spurs boy. Mm-hmm. You are getting Victor Wembenyama, most likely. It would be wild if you didn't. But wow, what a turn of events. Did you watch the lottery live? I happened to be in an airplane the second that the TV broadcast element started, so I did not get to watch it. We literally took off at 8 Eastern. <laughs> oh, man. I did get to watch it live, and... uh it was pretty spicy. As soon as the Pistons got the fifth pick and you knew that they weren't one of the top four, then you were really wondering, like, all right, where's this number one pick going to go to? And I think it it might be the biggest celebration I've seen from a GM or a representative of a team when they find out that their team got number one. It was a little broy. It was a real like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> but I get it. I mean, Wembanyama is expected to be a generational talent. Will that be the case? No one knows right now, but... I would say that even more so than Zion Williamson, I can't think of anyone who is a for sure number one pick who has had more hype around him, arguably since LeBron, mm -hmm. right? Yep, that would be my yeah. guess. I mean, Anthony Davis was a pretty big one mm -hmm. too, but it doesn't happen very often. And Victor Wembanyama, if you haven't watched videos of this guy play, it's just absurd. He's seven five. He's seven foot five. And he has the skills of a guard. It's yeah. bizarre. It's like, picture how ridiculous Kevin Durant's game is, given how tall he is, and then add six inches. Yeah. It's truly, and people have said this about a lot of players before, but I don't think it's true until Victor Wimbanyama. It looks like someone that when you are eight years old and you have a basketball video game, you go, haha, what if I made all the sliders all the way up? Right. Like, it looks like that. Yep. <laughs> It's absurd. Also, did you see the video that the NBA posted of Victor Wembanyama watching the draft lottery with his friends and family? It's weird because it looks like a video when people get picked by the team right? because he's such the consensus number one pick. He's really happy to be on the Spurs because for the most part, they're an organization with a storied history and they have a great coach and they have great mentors for him, especially as big men. And a great history of having international players. Exactly. So it's a pretty good situation for him to be in. And... He gets so happy and his fist pumping and his family's really happy. <laughs> it's just so funny that it's basically a foregone conclusion yeah. that he's the number one pick that he's celebrating as if it's the draft. Like, what's going to happen at the draft? Is he just going to, like, give a thumbs up? Like, he's already done his celebrating. I mean, for God's sake, the ESPN sent Brian Windhorst to his home <laughs> in Paris. I don't even know if he was invited. He might have just shown up there with the camera crew. Brian Windhorst has the most interesting career. And for anyone who doesn't know... He always just follows around like a guy. Yeah, that's basically it. It was LeBron for a long time. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's very strange. He made his career of basically being like, I'm just going to document LeBron. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It did work for him, which shout out to Windhorst. Well, and then he became a meme last offseason when he saw the writing on the wall with what the uh, the Jazz were doing. Yeah, but, yeah. but why would they do that? Why would they trade? Yeah. And, I, and he was a joke for a while, but like the dude is a good reporter. I think he's a bad basketball analyst when he tries to talk about like right. the theory of the game. He doesn't really know what he's talking about, but like he finds scoops and he picks up on things. And I guess yeah. he's got the dedication to fly to wherever the heck France. And then because of time scoops, not to be confused with Scoot, who will be the second pick. <laughs> and then he has the dedication to fly to France. And I mean, time zone differences, it would have been like early in the wee hours of the morning. So props to Brian. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Michael. If ESPN offered to fly me to Paris first class, <laughs> I would not feel slighted by that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. Okay. So we do have to talk about the other teams that didn't make it because I do believe some of them tempted the fates with the basketball gods, most notably the Houston Rockets. How do you sad shout out Chris Chan, our beloved friend and Houston Rockets fan? Oh, Chris Chan, the Chanimal. What can I say that you haven't already thought to yourself as you flipped tables over last night? Look, the Rockets have hired Ime Udoka as their head coach. Ime Udoka, who you may remember from having been the Celtics head coach last year who got them to the NBA Finals, which, look, he's a great coach. And then a whole lot of ugly stuff came out about his conduct uh, that went beyond him having an affair, but also having very improper conduct 
with a subordinate of his within the Celtics organization. But you know what? The Rockets said, we don't care. We just care about winning. So come on board. Maybe we'll sign uh, Miles Bridges too, and you can coach him. It's all going to be great. So it's a not so great situation. And then they kind of double down by sending him as the representative to be at the draft lottery. And uh, I tell you what, karma is a bitch. And the Rockets got the fourth pick, which I'm sure they'll still get a good player, maybe even one of the identical twins who are going to be drafted in the in the top five to top ten. But they're sure not getting Wembanyama, and it's hard to not feel like uh, the basketball gods were punishing them. Yeah, and them getting four is interesting. If they got the number three pick, it would have been really, really funny because the consensus right now is Victor Wembanyama number one, Scoot Henderson number two, and then number three is this guy Brandon Miller who has like a gun charge going on. So if the Rockets hire Dudoka and then draft Brandon Miller, it's going to be a really weird situation in Houston. But unfortunately our friends who are Rockets fans are very sad right now as are a lot of the other teams but I don't know I think if you're looking at basketball god fate related reasons the Pistons are never going to get it because they've had draft lottery success recently Mm -hmm. can't have that the Hornets I thought were a pretty top contender for it just because I think they tried to be good this year they were just bad and then the whole Miles (laughs) Bridges thing blew up in their situation now if he'd gone to Portland that would have been real interesting That would have been very interesting. I'm happy that he didn't just because the Blazers effectively just gave up on the last month of the season. So I think that is another tempting the basketball gods, tempting fate situation. So One thing that's disappointing is that in terms of tempting the basketball gods, we talked about this a little bit before, but the Dallas Mavericks intentionally didn't try at the end of the season because they knew that if their pick was not in the top 10, they would have to give it to the Knicks. But Mm -hmm. it was exactly number 10, which is clearly directly tied to the fact that they didn't even try at the end of the year when they had a chance to get into the play-in game. They were ultimately penalized for that, but not so much Mm -hmm. so that they had any real repercussions. So I imagine as a Knicks fan, Mm -hmm. that's pretty frustrating. Yeah, by losing on purpose at the end of the season, we went from a situation where the Knicks had an 80% chance of getting their pick and they had a 20% chance of losing it to a flip where they had an 80% chance of keeping it and a 20% chance of losing it. We were hoping that by losing on purpose to try and keep this pick that the basketball gods would smite them and they would do all this stuff, make Luka Doncic very upset, lose $750,000 and then also give the pick to us. But that did not happen. That is... Fine, we should get the pick next year. It just won't be as good, probably, because you would think that the Mavericks will be better this year. But we will just have to see. But that would have been... It would have been so funny. It would have been so funny. Disappointing. And my beloved Bulls had to give up their pick because this is the final piece of the Nikola Vucevic trade from years ago, which means that to get Nikola Vucevic, uh, the Bulls had to give up Wendell Carter, the pick that turned into Franz Wagner, and two other picks. So kind of a tough look for the Bulls, given that they've not had much success. I'm not hating on Vooch. I I think he's a solid player, but they clearly gave up too much in that deal. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do? But uh, I tell you what, before we move on to my three-on-three, let's talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs and what all has transpired. Obviously, the the Knicks got eliminated, (laughs) and I am sorry. I was genuinely rooting for them. I I truly was. True friend. I was hoping that, that you and Freddie Lopez and Bobby Friedman and all my other Knicks fan friends would be happy. But it did not work out that way. Any impressions on that series? And then we'll do kind of a quick recap of the other ones. It was still fun. Got to give credit to Jimmy Butler. I have learned that I do hate Bam Adebayo with all of my passion now. Oh, Well, he sets these illegal screens, which is a term for when you set a screen, but you are moving still. He injured like four Mm -hmm. out of our five starters over the course of the series. It was really disappointing. So that was very sad. Our mutual friend Josh Pacifico and I were sending lots of angry text messages about that situation. But I think the coolest thing was the Quentin Grimes play, which we'll put a link to. But Quentin Grimes, who this was his first playoffs with the Knicks. He's only a second year guy. And he did go to Kelly's high school, which I will always bring up. He was defending Jimmy Butler, the best player on the Heat. He got screened by Bam Adebayo, hurt his knee slash leg on the play, kind of hobbles over to resume guarding Jimmy Butler in a crucial possession towards the end of the game, gets the steal from Jimmy Butler, and then the Knicks went on to win the game. It's just a career-defining play, and it's one of those things where no matter what he does the rest of his career, Knicks fans are going to love Quentin Grimes forever as, oh, do you remember yeah. the Game 5 steal against Jimmy Butler? Like, it's going to be a thing right. forever and always, which is super cool. And that 
is something that I'm just going to take away. He's already one of my favorite players on the Knicks. So for that moment to happen for him is really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, I think the TLDR of the Knicks series is Jalen Brunson is that dude (laughs) and Julius Randle is not. Yeah. (laughs) It's unfortunate that he's kind of established that he's very good in the regular season and not the best in the playoffs. I'm still very appreciative for what Julius has done for this new era of the Knicks, but it does seem like we might want to move on from him. And damn, is his kid cute. Oh, I do love that. That was something that he got a lot of hate for by Kenyon Martin and some other really really misogynistic dudes on Misogyny, the podcast, where it was just like six guys all being the worst humans, where... I know it's not, but I feel like that could actually be the name of that podcast. (laughs) It truly could be. But there was just these guys berating him for after a win this game. The first thing Julius Randle did was run over to his wife and kid and kiss them and hug them and celebrate with them. And Kenyon Martin was trying to hate on him. Like, this shows that he's a bad teammate. I'm sorry. It shows that he's a great person. Like, I was all about it. Yeah. If anything, Julius Randle over these past couple of years has proved he's a great father and a great husband. And I think that is so, so cool. There are plenty of reasons to criticize Julius Randle. That is not one of them. That was all of what the Knicks were saying. Basically, all the Knicks fans in the comments were like, there's many criticisms we could throw at Mr. Randle. These are not the things to do. I'm glad that universally that was kind of trashed and not... A lot of people were agreeing with it. For sure, for sure. So the Knicks fell to the Mm -hmm, Heat, mm -hmm. who are kind of seeming like a team of destiny at this point. I mean, I've talked about it a couple times in recent podcasts, but like they were two minutes away from getting knocked out by the Bulls in the Mm play-in game. And then they went on, they beat Milwaukee pretty handily. They've beaten the Knicks now. And they are facing off against the Boston Celtics, who had an interesting series where they actually went down three to two. The 76ers beat them on their home court in game five. Then the Celtics uh, won in Philly in a game six in which Jason Tatum single-handedly outscored the 76ers in the fourth quarter. They came back to Boston, pretty close first half, and then the Celtics really ran away with it in the second half. So now it's Boston versus Miami. That starts tonight as we record this. And then on the other side, in the Western Conference, the Lakers got past the Golden State Warriors and the Denver Nuggets beat the Phoenix Suns in kind of a similar manner to the way the Suns got knocked out last year, which is just getting completely embarrassed at Mm -hmm. home. That has now caused a few ripple effects. Uh, Doc Rivers is out as coach of the 76ers. Monty Williams is out as coach of the Phoenix Suns. And now we have ourselves a Nuggets-Lakers Western Conference Final. The Nuggets are up one nothing right now. They It got a little close last night. They were up by a lot. The Lakers came back. Actually had a chance to tie the game on a fairly ill-advised LeBron James 3 when he should have probably just found Austin Reeves or Driven or whatever. But uh, all that to say, we have the final four teams. I don't know if you have any rooting interest at this point, if it's just like you want to see the best matchup. Really, you could make the case for any of these matchups being pretty interesting. Yeah, it's funny because this is a rematch of the conference finals from the bubble. It was Lakers, Nuggets and Heat Celtics. So that's really fun. I would love to see the Nuggets win. I think Jokic is really fun. I don't know the last time Denver has one such if they've ever won the NBA championship. So they've never even been to the finals. I don't so think. that would be super cool for them. And it would be funny in the one year of the past three that Jokic did not win the MVP. If he wins the title, that would be very funny. And then mm-hmm. on the other side, I would love to see the heat progress just because now that it was hard for me to actively root against Jimmy Butler for a, a series. Cause I really, right. really like him. So now that yeah. they've already defeated the Knicks, I can root for Jimmy Butler again. Jimmy Butler in the finals would be super fun. And as you've been saying, what a wild yeah. run this would be and what a cool story it would be. So if we get heat nuggets, it'd be so cool. Well, th- yeah, there's a potential for two play in teams to face each other in the finals, which would be really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And listen, we all need a new exhausted Jimmy Butler meme. So <laughs> yes, gosh, it would be fun in him to release a new blend of big head coffee you know, championship roast or whatever. Like, it would be very fun. I'm going to go, my preference is Nuggets Heat and the Nuggets to win it all. That's what I would like to see happen. Um, But look, like a Lakers-Celtics final, just from the history of that matchup, like it would be interesting television. I don't know that I would really want either team to win that much, but it would be fun to watch. Yeah, that. And I also think, as much as I hate to admit it, if LeBron can lead this team to a championship and they actually win it all, it does go a a long way in making more of a case that he is the GOAT. I I have to just acknowledge that. Agreed. Agreed. It's going to be interesting. We'll see how it turns out. That concludes Full Court Press. You're going to hear some advertisements really quickly. And once those advertisements are complete, we'll get into Adam's three on three. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three on three. 
So, Mike, I don't know if you saw the video this week, but Dwight Howard posted a video calling out a bunch of NBA players who have been knocked out of the playoffs to come and join him in Taiwan, where he has been playing this season after no NBA team signed him. Howard specifically calls out the following players. Ben Simmons, Clay Thompson, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Now, the video is obviously made tongue-in-cheek, and we'll post a link to it, uh, but it got me thinking about other players like Howard who have continued their basketball careers overseas after their time in the NBA drew to a close. So with that in mind, I proudly present the three best and worst post-NBA international careers. Let's start with the worst and with the best. The third worst international career goes to Hall of Fame player and Hall of Shame Twitter user Magic Johnson, who briefly played in Scandinavia in 1999. Yeah, I did not know that either. Yeah. Now, I had no idea that this had even happened, but evidently Magic bought and subsequently joined a Swedish team called M7 Boris, now known as Boris Basket. And I have no idea if I'm pronouncing this correctly because the A in Boris has a little tiny baby circle over it, almost like the degrees yeah, sign. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that means. You've been there more recently than I have. Do you have any guesses? I don't know. I never learned how to particularly pronounce that I do know that <laughs> there are things where you can have the O with a line through it. And I think Norway and Denmark yeah, pronounce yeah. it differently. So I'm very confused. Who knows? Anyway, Magic bought the team and played five games. But after the season, the franchise went bankrupt. Magic then briefly joined a Danish team called, I'm going to give you one guess, Mike. What was this Danish team called? Hmm. Think think dogs. Dogs. Uh, the Great Danes. They were called the Great Danes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I couldn't find his exact numbers other than the fact that he scored 30 points in one of the games for the Swedish team, but I have Magic at number three on this list due to the failed business venture and also how obscure the teams were that he played on. Uh, good news, though, Magic is now a minority owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers, baseball reference, the Los Angeles Sparks, the WNBA team, and LAFC, Los Angeles's Major League Soccer team, and his net worth is listed at... $620 million. So he is doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to be crushed by being number three on this uh, horse three on three. No, no. I hope I hope it doesn't get to him too much. At number two on our list, we have Scotty Pippen, who also briefly played in Scandinavia in 2008 at the age of 42. Now, it's unclear whether or not he ate marinated herring, but he played <laughs> just two games for, again, terrible pronunciation, I'm sure, Torpen. Poyat, Torpen Pojat, T-O-R-P-A-N-P-O-J-A-T. I have no idea. This was the team in, in Sweden. He also played for the top Swedish league team, Sundsvall. I'm doing my best. Here, no folks. idea. In his I don't know. Third... I've never been to Sweden. I've been to all the other ones, but not Sweden. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We did discuss that. Yes. And, uh, and all the anti-Sweden folks were quite happy about that. In his mm -hmm. third and final game, Pippen had 21 points, 12 rebounds, and six assists and was paid $66,000. For his appearance, he never played another professional basketball game again. He is now most known for being thrown under the bus in the documentary The Last Dance and having an unusually low voice and long head. Uh, I have heard he's a terrible tipper, but I shall only slander Scotty so much since he did help make all of my childhood dreams come true. So there <laughs> I have him at number two on that list. But finally, at number one on our worst list, we have Dennis Rodman, the worm, who played his final NBA season with the Dallas Mavericks during the 99-2000 season before being out of basketball for several years. Get ready for this. Rodman then briefly played in Mexico in 2004 with a team called Fuerza Regia, then a team called the Tijuana Dragons, and I'm sure Rodman didn't get into any trouble at all in Tijuana. Then he played mm -hmm. one game for the same Finnish team that Pippen had played for. Then he played three games in England with a British team called the Brighton Bears. Then... He played two exhibition games in the Philippines, and then in 2013, Dennis Rodman played an exhibition game in North Korea because he is friends with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. The entire thing was a public relations disaster that we actually did a whole that actually happened on in episode 71 of Horse, and we will definitely share a link to that episode. 
So that's my three worst. Let's move on to the happier stories. Now, Dwight Howard, who is putting up some pretty impressive numbers in Taiwan, didn't even crack the top three. So that should give you some sense of the competition here. The other thing that I did learn about the Dwight Howard situation, yes. there's six teams in his league mm-hmm. that he's in. Five of them make the playoffs. He did not make the playoffs. <laughs> that's hilarious. He did put up good numbers. Yeah. There. yeah. So Dwight Howard did get into the top five. Uh, so be on the lookout for the expanded five on five on our Patreon. But let's get on to the best ones. At number three on our list, we have former Portland Trailblazer Bonzi Wells, who certainly blazed his own trail after his NBA career was <laughs> finished. After a very respectable NBA career that spanned 12 seasons, Wells took his talents to China and made an immediate impact, dropping 48 points and 11 rebounds in his very first game. Though he did not keep up that absurd pace, Wells averaged 34.3 points, 8.9 rebounds, and 4.1 assists during his season in Shang-Chi, I think I'm pronouncing that properly, uh, S-H-A-N-X-I, I don't know. Maybe Shang-Chi? Not positive, though. We'll go with that. Uh, I was pronouncing it like the film, but I could be completely off base on that. Anyway, his season was ultimately cut short after he failed to promptly return to the team after the Chinese New Year break, resulting in his contract being cut short in February of 2009. Sounds like it must have been quite the Chinese New Year for Mr. Wells. He ended up signing with a Puerto Rican team later that year, but his real impact was in China. At number two on our list, we have Jimmer Fredette, who was an absolutely legendary college basketball player at Brigham Young University, but never quite panned out in the NBA. Oh, you mean New York Knicks legend Jimmer Fredette? Uh, I believe you mean (laughs) Chicago Bulls legend Jimmer Fredette. Thank you very much. (laughs) That shows how sad it was to be a Knicks fan in yeah. the early 2010s, is that when we signed him, there was like a little bit of hope that it might be a good signing. He's the guy. He's the guy. Known for his extreme long-range shooting, Fredette played all four seasons in college, and as a senior was unanimously voted the 2011 Player of the Year. In that final season, he averaged 28.9 points per game and was considered the best scorer in college basketball, so much so that Jimmer Mania actually became a phrase. He was basically Steph Curry at Davidson when he was in college. I'll post a link to some of his college highlights, but the dude was absolutely bonkers. Jimmer understandably came out of college pretty highly touted and was drafted number 10 overall by the Milwaukee Bucks, who then traded him to the Sacramento Kings. Now, Kings fans, this was just another pick and a long line of picks that didn't pan out for them. Kings fans were so excited when they got Jimmer Fredette that his jersey was sold out all over town, but sadly, things on the court didn't go quite so well. During his three disappointing seasons in Sacramento, Jimmer didn't average more than eight points in any of those three seasons. After bouncing around the league for a few more years, including brief stints in San Antonio, Chicago, New Orleans, and of course your beloved New York Knicks, with a bunch of G League stops in between, Jimmer decided to try his hand overseas and had immediate overwhelming success in his first season with the Shanghai Sharks in 2016-2017. Jimmer averaged 37.3 points per game. During his four seasons in Shanghai, he never averaged less than 26.9 points. He scored more than 70 multiple times during this stretch, including a 73-point effort in a double overtime loss. Come on, rest of the team. He's giving you everything he's got here. (laughs) And then later that same year, this is wild, he had a 75-point game in which he dropped 40 in the fourth quarter. A 40-point fourth quarter. Absurd. Holy shit. Now, his play overseas was so spectacular that it actually got him one last shot in the NBA when in 2019, he was signed to a two-way contract with the Phoenix Suns, though he only averaged 3.7 points in just six games with the team. He was given a standing ovation at a game in Utah, the state where he had gone to college, so I imagine that was a pretty cool moment for him, and also just satisfying for him to get all the way back to the NBA after such a wild journey. You hear about this a lot more in baseball, where a guy like doesn't quite pan out here, goes to Korea or to Japan plays there, and then they ultimately get a shot to come back to the major leagues. After that stint, he returned to playing overseas until those plans were interrupted by COVID, and he was ultimately cut from the Greek team he had signed with when they had to cut their budget as a result of the pandemic. More recently, he has participated in the basketball tournament, which is literally called that. It's called TBT, aka the basketball tournament, which is a million-dollar three-on-three tournament. And they have actually added three-on-three to the Olympics And Jimmer is hoping to qualify for the 2024 games in Paris. Maybe Brian Windhorst can come with him. Who can say? Ah. But we love to see it. And I wish Jimmer the best. He was always a really fun guy to watch. It's sad that his NBA career didn't quite turn out the way it did. I thought the ceiling for him was to be like a J.J. Redick sort of guy. He's a bit undersized, and I think that didn't help. But either way, he certainly had a long and successful career, even if it wasn't all in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. glad it worked out for him in a different way, and he definitely had his success, just maybe not what he had panned out, but hey, got paid a 
bunch of money to ball out could be worse. Could be a lot worse. Finally, on this list, we have the man, the myth, the legend, the provider of incredibly cheap sneakers sold exclusively at Stephen Barry's, Stefan Marbury, after a successful career in the NBA, primarily with the Phoenix Suns and the New Jersey Nets. Marbury moved on to China, where he would play from 2009 to 2018, mostly for the Beijing Ducks. And while his overall statistics aren't as eye-catching as Jimmer Fredette's, he earns the number one place on this list for his longevity, his impact on the game in China, and the degree to which he has embraced the country and the country has embraced him. After his 2012 championship, a statue of Marbury was erected outside of the team's arena. Marbury credited his success to the Chinese culture, which he described as one filled with love, compassion, and care. I guess it kind of depends on your perspective, but either way, nice to hear. Marbury played his final games overseas in 2018, dropping 20 points in his last professional contest. And he has since gone on to coach the Beijing Royal Fighters starting in 2019. And I found this to be an interesting tidbit that I had not been aware of. On March 8th, 2020, Marbury personally warned NBA Commissioner Adam Silver to shut the league down after seeing what it had done to people in China, said Marbury, quote, the game won't be fun if people die, end quote. And he asked Silver to be the one to make the hard, easy decision. Three days later, the NBA season was shut down. And I still believe that that decision was one of the most important ones that indicated to the rest of society here in America how serious the pandemic really was. We may never know exactly how many lives were saved because of that decision in that moment, but I think it's reasonable to assume that Marbury's feedback probably helped shape that important decision. And uh, I think that's a pretty interesting piece of information. So that is where Stefan Marbury lands on our list. He gets the number one spot. And uh, I'll expand that into a five on five that'll be up on the Patreon pretty soon. But there you have it. That is my best and worst three. I love it. And if you want to learn more about Stefan Marbury's career in China, you can listen to the episode of Horse where we talk about how they wrote a play about his life Whoa. and performed it. Yeah, it's wild. You, there's YouTube videos and everything. There is a Stefan Marbury play that existed. And I think he starred in as well. That Good stuff. is amazing. Amazing indeed. So for my, that actually happened. It's something that I had thought about very recently and then the timing worked out perfectly. We haven't really discussed it in detail, but the behind the scenes element of the NBA draft lottery is truly bonkers. So I would just like to give a peek behind the curtain of the NBA draft lottery as that that actually happened because it's more than just ping pong balls. It's super strange. Let's hear it. So a lot of the information that I gathered was from two articles that Zach Lowe has written for ESPN. One, when he went during the 2021 draft lottery, which was COVID interesting. And then the 2022 draft lottery, Zach Lowe's all about the draft lottery, which I find lovely just because he's this very serious basketball writer, but he also is okay with having a fun time. And he loves the draft lottery because it's truly bizarre. It's wild yeah. and it's weird. And the fact that we televise something that doesn't need to be televised at all <laughs> is strange. Like it's such a weird thing that has become this weird spectacle where while the best teams are in the playoffs, we are celebrating the worst teams at the same time. Right. It's just so strange all around. So for the draft lottery itself, it's usually held in some sort of fancy hotel and they have ballrooms and all this sort of thing. And before things begin, all of the different representatives mingle and talk and stuff like that. And so teams send representatives. There are people that like officially represent the teams. And then there's also people that are there for like the TV production element where teams send like a representative to be there when they open the envelopes and all sorts of things like that. So what they do is they have people that they send into a secret drawing room where the actual lottery happens. And the actual lottery takes place an hour before the televised event. So people know what's going on long before they actually announce it. And the people who know have to be completely silent and all of their devices are taken away. So they'll have like media people that can report on it after the fact. But for about 90 minutes, they just can't say anything to anyone. And they just have this information that they're sitting on. And then they have to watch this TV production, which I'm sure takes a very long time before they actually get into it. Like, it's probably one of those things where, you know, it could have been an email, but it's a 30 minute to an hour ESPN television program, right? Like, how long did it run when you watched it? Uh, it ran for half an hour, which at least isn't like egregious, but it's also more than is necessary because the actual reading of the picks took about three minutes. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's a bizarre situation that we turn into the spectacle for whatever reason. So the other thing is that they have like, I don't know exactly what these people do, but Ernst and Young, let me just Google them real quick. Ernst and Young kind of oversees it. I think they're like a security type film. Oh, that's EY. Yeah, Ernst and oh. Young is like one of the big four. It's like Ernst and Young and PricewaterhouseCooper. Uh. And it's basically, it's the same people that they come out with like a briefcase at the Oscars and they're like, here are some nerds from this firm that know who won. They do all of the accounting. I didn't know that EY with that little yellow stripe logo. I thought it was just always some company called A. A. <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's them. So they kind of oversee the security aspect of it, and they will have representatives from them in the room where they make it happen. For one of the lotteries that Zach Lowe is at, they... The room where it happens? The room where it happens? The room where it happens. 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 According to Zach Lowe, one of the years, they have 40 NBA staff members there as well. And each attendee, when they go in, gets stopped at a security desk where they take away your phone and make sure that you're not going to be reporting stuff early or, I guess, doing anything to tamper with the actual lottery themselves. Frozen envelope. So, right. So they bring folks in and they go into this sequestered room and then they do the actual drawing and this actual drawing takes about five minutes and they have an nba employee with a vacuum that vacuums up four numbered ping pong balls one by one at precise 10 second intervals from like one of those old school lottery spinning ball machines yeah like how they used to do like the draft for the civil war yeah. oh my gosh so they do this and there's actually a timekeeper who stands with his back to the machine and is holding a stopwatch and then makes sure that this person sucks up a ball every 10 seconds. So if you're a statistician out there, you might know this, but there are 14 ping pong balls and they get four of them to make a four number combination. And that allows mm. for 1001 possible iterations of the balls. And then you'll see things where each of the teams has very specific, you know, the bulls had 2.8% or the top team has 14.2% all that sort of stuff that corresponds to basically individual combinations and then the teams will know what their combinations are so if you're one of the top teams you have like 140 something chances and then if you're one of right. the lower teams you'll have like 20 or something like that mm -hmm. and that's how you get these different percentages so because of that certain teams will know depending on what balls show up if they are going up or down so the top three teams i think it the ball represents like whatever team slot you are in for the most mm -hmm. part. So like if a low number comes up, you know that it's probably going to be one of the more normal options. Like I think a straight up no one moves draft would be one, two, three, four would be the, the combination. So if a high number right. ever comes up, it's really spicy and enticing because it could mean a big yeah. jump. So it just becomes this like thing that is boring, but because the stakes are so high, it becomes wildly fascinating if you're mm -hmm. in the room. So there's a thousand and one possible combinations. Then you have a person in a suit who vacuums up the balls, then takes out the ball and reads out what the ball says on it, even though it's just a ping pong ball with a big number and everyone can see it. He has to officially take the ball and go 14. I think what they should do is one of two things. They should either do like hungry, hungry hippo style. <sighs> Where there are ping pong balls in the middle and gigantic hippos and all of the GMs just smash on these plastic things and whichever ones they get, mm -hmm. then that helps get the combination. Or Mr. Bucket. I think Mr. Bucket Ooh. can be involved because you, you have to put uh, your balls in his mouth mm -hmm. is how I remember it being. Yep. I do think it'd be fun. Completely appropriate commercial <laughs> for children. I don't know if you were a big Price is Right guy. My grandma mm. and I used to watch a lot of Price is Right. Do, 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 do. I think it would or be. Or is that Family Feud? <laughs> I think that might be Family Feud, but I do love Family oh. Feud as well. But Price is Right is, what's the, oh, the Price is Right is, I always said if I was a professional baseball player, it would be my walk-up music. Uh, how does it go? Oh no, I usually know this so well. Price is right theme. Um, I got to just hear it in the headphones so I can make sure I do it. Oh, of course, an advertisement. Come on, this is important. This is research for my basketball podcast. I got to watch this video. I don't need to learn about Advil. Come on, let me skip you. Oh, the ba 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 da. 
ba, 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 da. That would be The Price ba, is Right. Ba, 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 yeah. ba, 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 da. Anyway, from Price is Right, you know Plinko, where they put the big poker chip Naturally, thing and of it kind of shuffles yeah. the way? They should do sure. that for the draft lottery because that, that would, would be, be fun, so fun. Yeah. Just have 14 slots with all the teams and then... I guess the hard thing is how would you make it so that people have the chances? But it would just... I don't know, but why not gamify it so that we can see it in real time? <laughs> yeah, something to make it more fun. This is clearly the most fun part of the lottery. Let us see it. So right. they do this with the official ping pong ball reader, even though everyone in the room can see it. And then that is what determines the drawing. People learn it. They're not allowed to say anything. And then they do the whole TV production thing. Now, fun behind the scenes thing from the COVID year is that normally in a normal year, Mark Tatum, who is the deputy commissioner of the NBA, and he is someone that despises the New York Knicks because every time the Knicks go down in the draft lottery, he has a big ear-to-ear grin, and I hate him. Anyway, Mark Tatum, he never discusses the results with this group of people. He just goes straight to the TV production wing of it, and then does it. But in the COVID year, they didn't have as much of a TV production thing. So they just had him go through and then small talk with the people on his way before it was like just him and like a cafeteria being broadcast and nobody else around. And Zach Lowe said he was chatting with him and in his reporting was like, oh, I had to remember to like not make any small talk because he doesn't know the results. So Zach Lowe Ah. said he had to stop himself from being like, oh, poor Nick's, am I right? And then... (laughs) You know, he was like, oh, I can't say this. Wow. Like, Mark Tatum doesn't know. He's kept separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was just like an interesting tidbit. Something hmm. that Zach Lowe did report of the Knicks is that while talking to Mark Tatum, Mark Tatum was telling Zach Lowe that, I'll just give the quote that Zach Lowe said, quote, Tatum recalled Patrick Ewing, New York's representative on the dais last season, standing right behind him at an angle from which he could spot the contents of the number three envelope before Tatum. As Tatum ripped over the envelope, he heard Ewing groan, knowing the Knicks had barely missed out on John Morant and Zion Williamson. Ha ha ha. What an interesting sentence that might not have aged super well. Tatum can still hear that groan in his head. (laughs) So there's just so many weird things that happen from this TV spectacle. So... What you have is that the lottery itself only takes a few minutes. And what's interesting about the lottery machine is that the NBA does have a backup. So if for whatever reason, this lottery machine with the vacuum fails, they have a whole second setup. But then do you know what the third setup is in case the power goes out? (laughs) I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. If the power goes out, what they do is they take an official NBA basketball and they cut a hole in the top of it. And they put the 14 ping pong balls in the basketball and pick it out by hand. Yeah, God forbid it's not an official NBA ball. It would never work (laughs) in a different ball. That's so ridiculous. It's truly bizarre. And once I heard about this, I knew I had to talk about this on horse. But also, why is this not the official way? That is so much cooler than a vacuum in a big lottery machine. It should always be this. That's so much more fun. It should always be ping pong balls out of a basketball, the hole cut out of it. Yeah, I mean, the current process sucks balls as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> now, what's interesting and what Zach Lowe said about the last time, so the 2022 draft lottery, this was the first time that the NBA had done a draft lottery where they had switched from Spalding was the sponsor for so many years. And now Wilson is the official basketball of the NBA, which I think is better because Wilson evolution balls are so much better than any basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The prime. Oh, I love Dude, when that. someone in pickup has an evolution, oh, it's so good. It's so good. You got to write your name on one of those puppies. Those get stolen real quick. I always did. Always did. Always, always, always did. But they had the basketball with a hole in it, but it was a Spalding, so they had to find a Wilson and cut a new hole in it in the 2022 lottery. Oh, my God. They should auction that that backup ball off for charity. Oh, they totally... Like, it's so fun. It's such a cool, goofy, weird thing. I don't understand why. Like, the lot... I guess maybe it's like the NBA taking itself seriously, but, like, this is such a bizarre, whack event. Like, let's make it as bizarre and whack as possible. Like, even if the whole thing has to be, like, we have to vacuum it for security purposes, blah, blah, blah. Like, at least make the giant lottery machine, like, a giant pretend basketball or something like make it Mm -hmm. more fun all the ping pong balls should be like little basketball ping pong balls like let's make it more fun the lottery is so goofy yeah lean into the goof come on yeah or whichever team finishes last in the draft lottery their representative has to wear the the cut open basketball as a hat right like a dunce cap yeah come on come on oh 
So I will leave this with how Zach Lowe leaves his 2022 article. And I recommend you folks read these because they're very, very funny and we'll link to them. But after describing the basketball with a whole cut in it sort of thing, this is what Zach Lowe says about it. And I think it's great. Quote, the world needs this to happen one year. It should really be part of an Ocean's Eleven style plot in which one desperate team cuts the power to the venue as one step in some scheme to rig the lottery. On Tuesday morning, the NBA went to retrieve the ball with a hole in it. They found it, but there was a problem. It was a Spalding. The NBA switched from Spalding to Wilson this season. Officials scrambled to find a Wilson ball and then sliced a hole in the top of it. That is the lottery in a nutshell, folks. And yes, it is. And that is the true story of how the lottery happens, and that's the backup fail-safe system, and yes, that actually happened. Incredible <laughs> stuff. Wow. That whole segment is everything that this show should be about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just great. You gotta love it. Go lottery. What a time. Amazing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horror Sources, hosted by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editor is Ken Sesoramaki. The social media is by both of the Horse Boys. The website is by Kelly Schubert. The art is by Allison Wakeman. And the music is by Bettina Campomanes. Thank you to our producer-level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Roast Beef Debris, Kate the Conqueror, Basketball is Life 2, Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Reed, Steph Curry for three next season. Bang from the future. <laughs> Hi Trish, Nicole Arsenal, Stubby Boardman gets paid, Chase Underulo, Mr. Bubbles plays ball, and Rachel Bolin. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because... Horse Hoops was the person that brought the Spalding ball and then they promptly Ugh. got banned because Canceling. come on, we need the Wilson. We need the Wilson. We need, much like Tom Hanks in Castaway, we need the Wilson. Go to our website, horsehoops.com, for links to some of the fun stuff we talked about today, including that Zach Lowe article about the strangeness of the draft lottery. Mm -hmm. And if you want to support the Horse Boys, you can do so on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash horsehoops, and you can get bonus audio, video, things that we're going to start doing for the playoffs, like little chats about what's going on. All sorts of things exist there. Can't recommend signing up enough. And you can also get merch if you go to horsehoops.com slash merch. You can get stuff nerds shirts. You can get digital items. Lots of fun things existing over there. But we're going to close out this episode, as we always do, by putting our hands in the middle and saying something on the count of three. We don't have the Knicks to root for anymore, so uh, we can get fast and loose with it. We don't, but you know what? I think for one final time, now that the Knicks are officially out and the Bulls have been out, I think we manifest the Bulls-Knicks conference championship for a future, yes, yes, a future yes. year. Mm -hmm. So let's just put it out into the universe. Let's just go with the Bulls-Knicks conference championship. All right, yeah, Bulls-Knicks conference championship. On. Doesn't really roll off the tongue, but we're doing it anyway. Maybe, how about Bulls-Knicks ECF on three? Ooh, All right. okay. Bulls-Knicks ECF on three. One, two, three. Bulls-Knicks Bulls, ECF. ECF. Make it happen, basketball gods. Punish Ime Udoka and reward the Bulls and Knicks. And That's what may want. Adam and I survive as friends after it. <laughs> It would be a test. It would really be a test. But you know what? If I could root for the Knicks this year, I think it speaks to the friendship that we have. So we'll be okay. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.